Look, up on the slopes. What is that? Well, it looks like a pair of cross-country skiers going downhill. No, it must be some alpine skiers with broken bindings. Wait, on closer inspection, it's... Those Telly Guys. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of Those Telly Guys. And Morgan, you're here as always, aren't you? Yep, and it's, uh, it's good to be here, Rich, today. It is. It's great to be here. Uh, where are you at the moment? I'm still in Geelong, um, but it did snow in Geelong the other day, or it appeared it appeared to be snowing. It was, it was very very exciting. Did you free the heel down uh, one of the suburban streets in Highton there, or uh, Hamlin Heights? Yeah, I did. I did. Um, uh, I did free um, the feet. I, I went outside in bare feet. Uh, it was quite cold, and uh, of course the, the the heels were free. Oh, very good. For those playing overseas, it actually feels like winter at the moment. It's been a very long, drawn-out autumn, and probably even a bit of spring involved. But it feels like winter now. It's finally cold, and our Alps are getting a dusting of snow. And in the next couple of days, maybe even a puking of snow, which is quite exciting. But not that we'll be able to ski it that much, but I suppose we'll get there in the Bogong Bulletin about that sort of stuff. But it has been difficult to ski, but I have managed to get out a few times in the last few weeks, Morgs, which is just been good. It's fed the adventure rat inside of me. I believe it's not the best conditions, but it's been nice. Yeah. Where'd you go? A few mates and I went up Bogong. That was... uh, that was actually pretty good. We were pleasantly surprised rather than utterly disappointed. We did have to walk a fair bit up Eskdale Spur. That's the first time I've done that in the last five years. But uh, once we're up there, we could pop our skis on. And yeah, on the southeastern aspects, we actually had some pretty good runs down. I don't know, that run we did last year called Westerns from the top down to the creek. Yep. Admittedly, dodging some bushes at the bottom. <laughs> but no, it was decent. It was good. It was fun. The only downside to that trip... I did take the essential bag of of wine, some nice... Banrock Station. Banrock Station. Oh, yes. yes, very lovely drop, I think it was. But um, the Antikinus actually got tucked into that overnight. We put our food away and didn't even think of the, the goon bag. And uh, they got into it. And we could actually hear some sort of rodent wailing in the middle of the night. <laughs> so, I'm assuming they were just absolutely plastered. There was wine all over the Cleve Coal floor. It wasn't, it wasn't great. But uh, anyway, there's got a nice stain to the floor now. That's it. You've just wiped out the last precious um, population of Antichinus in south south of Australia. I'm going to have to edit this out now. Uh, No animals were harmed in the making of this episode or that trip, I might add. Was that over at Cleve Coal, Rich? Yeah, we did um, jump over to Cleve Coal. We were going to stay a couple of nights, but the weather actually came in earlier on the Sunday so it wasn't that great, so we just legged it. But the Saturday was glorious, very spring-like, lots of slushy turns. And like I said, we were pleasantly surprised yeah. rather than disappointed. But the antikinus at Cleve Cole just wreaks havoc, mate. Like sometimes when I've been there, I remember, yeah, he just gets stuck into the food bag. Like there's, there's several of them as well. Like They're just, um, they're everywhere. Oh, yeah. Well, I turned on the light in the middle of the night. One was reading a magazine. <laughs> one was roasting its feet by the fire. You know, it's they're everywhere. But one actually did tuck into Brenny's sleeping bag too oh, just to no. get that fluffy down. Oh, dear. Big hole. Yeah. A tiny hole, but enough, as we know, down just likes to puff out yeah. any chance he can get. Um, so, 
yeah, not happy about that one. Yeah, that's a real shame. But, um, yeah, I did ski a few times in the resort. Obviously, nothing is happening in there in terms of lifts. Lift operations, we're turning them for maintenance. Um, Lucas lined up and tried to get on. They, they obviously <laughs> said no. <laughs> but, like, um, hey, hey, I work here. Don't you, don't you guys know? Yeah, I, yeah. I work here. <laughs> yeah. For, uh, but a uh, bit of a ghost town, a weird feeling. But, you know, they, they actually groomed the runs for some reason. The, apparently, it's for maintenance of the groomers and they're teaching someone how to groom. But for whatever, Main Street was, was prime and it was good. There was not many people up there and the short skin to the top. But, you know, it's skiing and we can't complain. So, it's been good. Yeah, that is good. What else has happened? Oh, we mounted Brenny skis with the axles. which he's quite excited about. So, he took the 70 ends off and um, gave them to the dog to play with. I was going to say, was <laughs> there like a sacrificial ritual where you just, uh, you know, burnt them over the, the, the flames of your, um, you know, fire drum or something? <laughs> yeah, no. No, that obviously, that would make a lot of people cry if they're trying to get that sort of gear. So, you know, Brenny still has it tucked away somewhere. He wouldn't just throw it away. And I know some people love those bindings for sure. But um, he's very much looking forward to stepping into the axles and uh, getting around on those when he can, of course, when restrictions lift. Yes, well, but, of uh, course, um, I, mean, I, mean, I mean, the axles, they're, they're all right. I mean, if, if, you had to, if you had to pick a 75 mil binding, I mean, yeah, you'd, you'd probably go the axles. Uh, I mean, we, we, we like them. <laughs> well, the listeners definitely know that uh, we like them. <laughs> I'm not sure if I've made that obvious or not yet. <laughs> That was, that was my joke. We've had a few things in the mailbag, Morgs. Bit going on? You've got mail. Yeah. One that I found quite interesting was uh, from George Turner, writing in from Adelaide. He says he's enjoying the podcast from Adelaide with my boys and missing the Aussie Alps and dropping knees like mad, as you would, George. Absolutely. I- the, the few turns I had were good, and I'll tell you, for those living that far away, very sad times. Tell Sam to keep up the Mount Lofty snow reports. Suggest he could also include Mount Theberton. Now, what is Mount Theberton, Morgan? <laughs> well, I was hoping you could tell me, Rich. Well, I did a little bit of research, and uh, all those people from, I guess it was in the, the 80s, um, might have skied at Mount Theberton, and George said that you'll find Mount Theberton in Adelaide's backstory on Wikipedia. Discussion on this may be a good laugh about on the show. And uh, I had a look on Wiki, took George's advice, and this is what I found. The ice area is an ice, sports and public skate area opened on the 17th of September 1981 and located in Theberton, Adelaide, South Australia. The ice area is South Australia's premier skating facility located just minutes from the Adelaide CBD. The centre is home of the Adelaide Adrenaline, Adelaide Rush and the Adelaide Generals, which are ice hockey teams. I love those names. Morgan. It's great. I didn't even realise there was a national competition for ice hockey. No, neither did I. But uh, I'm just looking on Google Maps now. It's so It's literally just in the CBD, right next to the ocean. Wow. Crazy. I'm looking forward to getting that snow report from <laughs> Sam for that one. And the, the centre opened in 1981 
And in 87, the centre closed for the construction, you ready for this? For the construction of the world's first indoor ski slope and reopened in 1998 as Mount Theberton Snow and Ice, featuring what was reported to be the world's first indoor ski slope on artificial snow. Now, that is unbelievable if that is true. Adelaide having the first indoor ski centre, that just seemed bonkers to me. A place in South Australia that is very hot most of the year. Yeah, and I mean, for people that aren't from Australia, I've got some Adelaide climate statistics here. I mean, in August, uh, which is generally, you know, a great year, a great time of year for skiing in um, southeast of Australia, Adelaide's weather is normally a low of nine degrees Celsius. Um, So it's generally quite warm. And if you've heard of Uluru or what used to be called Ayers Rock in Central Australia. Adelaide's actually the closest city to Uluru. So it's sort of uh, getting right up in towards the desert. And just that thing on, I, I guess it just occurred to me that they have they have like indoor ski centres uh, like in the Middle East and stuff now, don't they, Rich? So like, yeah, that's crazy as well. Like, because there's just nothing there. It's just desert hot all the time. Oh, yeah, indoor ski centres. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Maybe Abu Abu Dhabi has one. I'm assuming. Yeah, Dubai, something like that. Sultans are paying for it. The Sultan. Yeah, I don't know. You know, it's just the the big oil moguls. You know, in the Middle East, they just got to spend their money on something. Just Aladdin and his monkey <laughs> running an indoor ski centre with Princess Jasmine. But uh, unfortunately, over time, it has cost too much to run that facility, and they have res- resorted back to just an ice skating rink. So, the indoor ski centre is no longer there. But it is pretty interesting and I found some funny commercials for it. Let's just have a, a listen to this one here. Snow and ice, ski and skate, slip us out of the tobacco ride. Go through it on the mountain, really that mountain Go through it on the mountain, really that mountain Go tobogganing and mountain. The steerable, stoppable, and you can go like the clappers down the world's biggest indoor real snowfield. So, yeah, Morgan, thrill it up at Mount <laughs> Theberton. That's going to be the new motto. Yeah. Well, it's now my new sign off for this show. <laughs> thrill it up at Mount Theberton. How good. And there's actually another funny video of a fella showing how artificial snow is made, which is fantastic. And we might add that to the Instagram account for anyone that wants to see that. But uh, could this could this area, could Mount Theberton be why South Australian skiers have so much froth? They love it. Yeah, it could be. Um, if you're talking about, um, you know, Gen Xs, I suppose people from that era, they might froth it. But I suppose because uh, when did it when did it close up? Only recently, or like they still do ice skating there? Yes, ice skating still happening. They've got some dates here. 2005, the facility temporarily closed due to the running cost of the centre, but it reopened minus the indoor ski slope with the new name of Ice Arena. Ice Arena. So, Um. yeah. So, I wonder how many powder days they had (laughs) from 1987 to 2005. I suppose it Um, depends how much water's in the Murray River. Yeah, he's pumping it into it. But uh, George says he never actually skied at that area. He moved to South Australia, originally from the Grampians, so it wasn't really his thing. But in the early days of making Adelaide's base, he was often sitting on the chairlifts at Mount Hotham and after telling people he was from South Australia, he met a chap that he was sharing a lift with, 
and he said that he could only turn left because this ski hill at Mount Theberton had only enough room to make a left turn. <laughs> so, it's only got enough room for one turn and you can only turn left. I, well, in that, uh, I think it's in that, in that video that you said you might share to the Instagram account, you can see the bloke coming down the hill and it looks like on the camera that he's actually stopping like halfway down the slope, but then when it turns side on, you can see he's actually at the bottom at the um, at the little sort of conveyor belt. It's it's like a magic carpet that takes people up to the top, but it must only be like fifty to one hundred meters long the whole slope. <laughs> yeah, it certainly looked like he got a few turns in there. Mm. Anyway, it looked good. But um, thanks, George. Appreciate the message. And your kind words. And a big shout out to your two boys, Albert and Leonard. We had a look through your Instagram account and we can see they are absolute shredders. And the future of Tally looks bright from South Australia in Adelaide. But I'd be interested to know what they're, they're riding on. And because obviously getting boots for kids can be a real struggle at times. I think there's a Tally boot for kids. But anyway, Morgs, we also had Lewis and Yar send in a bit of a video for The Voice. And they've created something, or maybe merely adapted something we were talking about as essential backcountry items a few episodes ago. Of course, the double-coated Tim Tams and the bag of port. Oh, hi guys. I'm Yar Reeves. And I'm Lewis Dowie. Uh, we're both pretty big deals around here. <coughs> you might have heard of us before. Yeah, pretty famous. We're we just listen that, to the podcast. Yeah. Big fans. Massive fans. We're also telly guys and girls. Yeah. But it's the 1st of August and um, we well, you can see um, Mount Feathertop behind us. It's looking pretty bare. We just came for a bit of a jog, a bit of a run. We're getting those telly legs warmed up for when the winter finally comes. Exactly. Mm. And we've been listening avidly to your podcast and taking some good advice on board. Mm. Um, I chose Yara as my partner today because she's got some good <laughs> local knowledge, um, and I think that's really key. And I chose um, uh, my Lewis first time up Feathertop. Dowie, because he um, he's quite good at carrying things up the hill, and uh, he provided the goods today, which is uh, the goods are actually. Another bit of advice we took from the podcast. We yep. have some double-coated Tim Tams, mm-hmm. which we will be enjoying with a, uh, a dribble of Alpine Port, which is just regular port, but had at altitude. Um, I did have one failing as a backcountry partner. Is um, I only brought one cup, and because of COVID, we can't really share out of this one cup. Can you no. just... <laughs> I've already spat on him today, but yeah. um, so yeah, I was going to be drinking out of the cake container. So apologies for that one, yeah. No worries. Do you reckon you could Tim Tam slam <laughs> port? I, don't know. I reckon we'd have to try. Give it a go. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. Fuck, <laughs> too much. I'm my face into it. Yeah, it works. Oh, got no. it. Jay, it's all gone all over me. Oh. I can't get it from the. <laughs> <laughs> just... I, I think we might port. have just revolutionised the Tim Tim. <laughs> <laughs> this is my current situation. I don't know what the fuck Yara's done, but. 
got my Tim Tam in my port container. You really should try this. It has revolutionised the Tim Tam slam. A port Tim Tam. Port soaked. Port soaked Tim Tam. It's delicious. <laughs> the tawny. They have. They're the tawny port. They have. I don't know how you feel about this, but they have made a Tim Tam slam using port rather than a hot beverage such as a, a tea or a coffee or something. How do you feel about that? Well, I mean, I'm glad that you mentioned hot because I feel like if you heated up the port or, you know, if it was some sort of mulled wine, then then that would be acceptable because otherwise it's you don't really achieve the same effect that you would with a normal Tim Tam slam, Rich, because to me, you know, the Tim Tam slam works because the hot liquid instantaneously melts the inside of the Tim Tam and you have only uh, 2.5 seconds to get the Tim Tam from the top of your teacup and into your mouth uh, for consumption. So therefore, if the liquid was cold, it would literally just be like a weird, um, a juicy Tim Tam that was still sort of biscuity on the inside. But um, I don't know, like um, I suppose with the the extra dash of uh, uh, red grape flavour, you know, could be tasty, but I feel like if they heated up the port, it could be spot on. Yeah, well, it might be just merely making it even better because they, from all the reports, have said it's fantastic. They're pretty happy with this creation they've kind of just walked into. <laughs> well, that's good. I'm glad. Yes. Anyway, let's um, just briefly touch on the news before talking about the topic of the show with the Bogong Bulletin. This is the Bogong Bulletin. And, of course, the most recent restrictions would be the talking point there. And I guess it was foreseeable. We all saw it eventually coming to the northeast of Victoria. Um, despite having no cases, we're back to stage three restrictions up here, which means the national parks are closed. Falls Creek and Mount Hotham are not permitting anyone to be up there except people living there and staff that were hanging out for the season. They're the only ones who are going to be getting the snow, but unfortunately, um, we can't go up there, Morgan. It's all closed. Yeah, it's uh, disappointing, <laughs> Yeah, especially for, like you say, the people that live up in that part of the world. Yeah, they, there's, uh, I, I believe there's very few, few cases up in, uh, I suppose, the northeast and other sort of um, places of, in Victoria that are further away from um, the capital of Melbourne, which is uh, in stage four lockdown. Um, but yeah, it's, I guess, you know, it's, it's hard. It, 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 I can see why this has happened because I can see that it would be increasingly difficult to manage, I guess, an area like being Victoria and having like particular areas that are in lockdown and other areas that are not in lockdown, having different rules. And they've still got that going on now with stage four in metropolitan Melbourne and stage three elsewhere. And it just, it just makes things sort of confusing and, you know, like, oh, they've got different rules to us, this and that. Um, so you, you can see why there would be some incentive to sort of uh, just limit movement for, for everyone in the state. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's a, I guess I totally agree with you. The, the vibe around here is a few disgruntled people feeling like they're, they're paying for Melbourne's mistakes or whatnot. But, you know, we are all in this together. And we've got to play our part to get it done. Interestingly enough, though, I guess some people will debate that we shouldn't have the parks closed because we're allowed to... That's right next to our doorstep and we should be allowed to go recreating there. And 
National parks are closed, but over in Western Victoria, they have opened up some national parks for locals because the national parks are a valid way of exercising um, for whatever activity, but they have not let locals do that over this side of the state. Um, So, I might have to get in touch with parks and and see the rationale behind that. Maybe it's a safety thing, perhaps. I'm not sure. Yeah, maybe they're worried about the emergency response time if someone was to go out into the backcountry or something like that. But yeah, you can. it's interesting because, I mean, if there was going to be anywhere that you were going to be able to practice social distancing, the Alpine National Park would certainly be uh, a great place to do it. Well, can anti-clinists carry COVID? (laughs) I don't know. What's the, what's the viral load like there? Yeah, well, there's a fair few of them and de- they definitely don't socially distance, that's for sure. To the next point, Morgan, our topic for the show, I suppose, is the Victorian Backcountry Festival updates. We spoke to Cam Walker to see what was going to happen around that. Obviously, the uh, restrictions going past that till the 13th somewhat restrict the capability of hosting the festival with lots of people. Cool. Let's get Cam on. All right, Morgs, here we are with... Cam, and Cam, welcome back to the show. It's good to have you here. Yeah, thanks. Good to be back. And where are you at the moment, Cam? Uh, I'm at Dinner Plane. Lockdown no. at Dinner Plane. Uh, lockdown at Dinner Plane. That's that's fantastic. Good place to be locked down. Is it snowing up there? Uh, not yet, but it is very cold, so fingers crossed. And I was just looking at the bomb radar, and it looks like big, big mass out there to the north, slowly heading towards the mountains. So, yeah, fingers crossed. Victoria gets a pretty good dump out of this. And I guess being at Dinner Plain, exercise for you would hopefully be a bit of cross-country skiing? Uh, yes, the Alpine Park is closed, of course, so we're pretty limited. We've got a you know small patch of land here that people can wander around, but there, there is some cross-country tracks on you know the land outside the National Park. So if we were lucky enough to get that much snow, I'll certainly be breaking the old skis out. Oh, fantastic. You're in a good place for that. I had my last ski the other day until the foreseeable future, hopefully in spring, up at Falls Creek. I'm glad I got that at least. I feel sorry for all our friends stuck in Melbourne that are a long way away. But Cam, anyway, we got you on the show to ask a little bit about the Backcountry Festival that was going to go ahead in September. We're very much looking forward to that. Obviously, the latest restrictions may have dampened our spirits on that a little bit. Can you fill us in a little bit more about that? Yeah, so the timing was interesting because we had decided it was all viable to go with an outdoor, you know, focus this year. This was going to happen over 4, 5, 6 September up at Hotham and uh, we were starting to really do the work on the outdoor program and we are doing an indoor program that was going to be streamed and we figured out how to stream the safety briefings in the morning. So it was going to be very COVID-friendly. But then, of course, the Stage 4 in Melbourne and the Stage 3 in regional Victoria till September 13 has basically meant that the only responsible thing we can do is call it off. And then a day or two later, of course, Hotham announced that um, the resort itself is closed, so you can't even physically visit the resort now. So we're disappointed. We've regrouped already. Uh, We've set dates for next year, so we'll be back at Hotham 3, 4, 5 September. It's a three-day festival again, and uh, we're planning a little event for uh, September as well, just to kind of you know have some kind of level of connection and you know activity around the backcountry festival, even if we can't physically be on the mountain. Yeah, awesome. And I heard uh, I don't know if it was you or maybe it was Rich brought up before that there was going to be some sort of online um, medium for this year. Is that uh, is is that a potential for later this year? Yes, it is. So um, if people were at either of the festivals in the last couple of years, they'd probably remember we had a speakers program and that, you know, was was 
images. We had Tim McCartney Snape last year talk about, you know, his decades of climbing and skiing. So a bit of visual stuff and Bill Barker spoke about, you know, his favourite spots on the mountain, that sort of thing. Uh, we're intending to do something as a Zoom-based uh, forum on the Saturday afternoon that should have been the festival. So Saturday, the 5th of September. And, you know, you can just get the link, register for it, free event, um, and just, you know, zoom in for the bits that interest you. So we're still working on the program, but we're thinking some practical stuff, you know, snow camping and safety and all that sort of thing. And then also just some more, you know, just, I guess you call it more mountain culture stuff, you know, short films from the backcountry, uh, you know, images, eye candy of, you know, kind of lots of nice mountain shots and skiing. And, um, yeah, it'll be a program we'll run for a couple of hours, open to anyone who's interested. Sounds awesome. Yeah, it sounds really good, Cam. And you said it potentially might be something in September if we're allowed to wander off into the backcountry. What, what might that look like? So at this point, the organising group for the festival, we are hoping that, that last weekend of September, um, if, you know, again, we are allowed onto the mountain and everything's open. We're going to just have a weekend away together, very much a bring your gear, bring your tent, you know, low, fast, kind of, you know, rock up on the mountain. We'll have a big fire on the Saturday night and we'll have some initial uh, planning for next year. So if people are going to be in the vicinity, keep an eye on the Backcountry Festival website and we'll put a little note up there. We want to keep it just really simple, but just a, you know, end of the season kind of get together, have a few beers, maybe get a few runs in together, go and do a tour um, and sit around the fire and tell some stories and plan for next year. Yeah, fantastic. And that would most likely be up around Mount Hotham somewhere. Yes, yes. Um, JB Plain would be the logical spot for people that want to go camping. Uh, you know, maybe some people, assuming resort is open, might stay in lodges up there. So we'd keep it simple. We'd have a meet point on the Saturday. We'd have a meet point for the campfire uh, Saturday afternoon. And apart from that, people would just make their own plans and, you know, connect with people and go touring or do whatever it is they, they want to do for the weekend. Sounds good. Well, uh, hopefully you've, if these restrictions... Um, play their part and manage to drive the COVID numbers down and we do sort of um, come out of the lockdown at the expected time halfway through September, then, um, you know, like with any luck, there'll, there'll be a, a, quite a large turnout to the to the Backcountry Festival um, and, as it uh, looks like Fall Street and Hopkins certainly won't be um, opening at all for the rest of the season. Yes, that's true. So um, assuming that after September 13, we are allowed back into the Alpine Park, um, you know, the, the only skiing and riding that will happen will be human-powered. So, um, yeah, we just thought it might be nice to try and finish what's been a pretty disappointing and pretty hard winter, especially for people involved in business up on the hills. You know, it's been a really tough year, especially after the bushfires, lockdown one and now lockdown two, and then the closure of the resorts. You know, it has been a hard year, so we thought it'd be nice to kind of finish it with a little bit of, you know, goodwill and community and, you know, just some, some good yarning and catch up and, you know, kind of plan for hopefully a, a better and a more normal year next year. Yes, fingers sure. crossed indeed. Anything will be much better than what's happening at the moment. I don't want to move away too far from the Backcountry Festival, but uh, still on the topic of Backcountry, have you managed to get out for a few trips despite the low snow base at the moment, Cam, before the lockdowns, uh, around Feathertop or anything like that? 
To be honest, not really. I went out to Feathertop and it was really only walkable. Uh, I went out to Lock and it was really only walkable. I carried my skis out there. Um, I did have a bit of a play around in the you know the back end of um, Hotham in Orchard for a couple of days, which was quite fun back uh, a couple of weeks ago when the resort was open. But yeah, I've got to admit that I've only put skis on probably three times this winter and uh, only for short distances. It's mostly been on foot rather than on ski uh, for adventuring this winter. Very light on, um, and even now, here we are, you know, early August, and there's not continuous cover hardly anywhere. So even if the, the parks were open, a lot of it would be walking rather than skiing, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, it's a nice year to take your skis for a walk. I, I took mine up Bogong for a nice little stroll around, and... Um... Yeah, a lot of walking, but <laughs> it was still still nice to get out and about regardless. Yes, it's always uh, good to be out there. It's uh, From what uh, you and Richard were talking about at the very start of this conversation, that uh, sort of had me wondering about the the National Park, Elbow National Park being closed, Cam, um, because it's in a plane basically completely surrounded or, or girt um, by <laughs> the Alpine National Park. Uh, it is in some state forest on one side, so uh, but it is all public land that it's surrounded by. Um, okay. And Hotham, of course, is completely shut down apart from permanent residents and, and seasonal visitors. So there's no, you, you can't go up the hill to Hotham at this point, but um, yeah, dinner plane itself, there's still people up here. Yeah, but people are obviously allowed to travel on the, on the road, I would have thought, because the road is surrounded yeah. by Crown land. Or, or exactly. Land. And it is a public road that's kept open, unlike the Bogong High Plains Road, which obviously has the seasonal closure. So, yes, um, Bic Roads keeps the road open, you know, 365 days a year. Yeah. And what's the feeling like up in Dinner Plain at the moment? It's very quiet. It's remarkably quiet. Of course, um, pretty much everything is closed and people are hunkering down and avoiding each other and, you know, trying to practice isolation. Um, so, yeah, uh, I was up here... Over summer, fighting the fires, and I remember at one point we had uh, a total of seven people in the village uh, for a couple of days there early in January. It's not quite that empty, but it's very, very close to it. When you go out, you hardly ever see anyone. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Pretty similar around the northeast at the moment, I suppose. Um, Mount Beauty's a ghost town with uh, obviously no tourism coming through, and all our businesses are locked down here too, so... Very, very quiet indeed. Very strange times. It is. Uh, speaking of strange times, before we um, wrap up the conversation, uh, Morgan and I have joked in past episodes about skiing with emus and kangaroos and stuff like that and, you know, said it doesn't really happen. But you do have an account, I remember, of this happening close to Dinner Plain somewhere. Is that right? Oh, I'm trying to remember what that story was. I've seen emus a couple of times up here in the snow. I've certainly, in Tassie, you know, skied around wombats. Um, I remember seeing a platypus in the snow one time. Uh, I don't remember physically skiing with other animals, but certainly had seen them uh, while out um, and certainly seen a couple of uh, mobs of roos on the eastern end of the Bogong High Plains one time down near Johnson's Hut, and they were all moving through the snow pretty happily. Really? Kangaroos down near Johnson's? Yep. Yep, below Johnson's, uh, towards, you know, the, the mid and mitter side, but certainly above tree line. Um, and uh, I don't know if 
what they were doing with it. They'd moved up to try and find some food. It all seemed a bit weird, and the snow was pretty, you know, tromped down. It wasn't deep snow, so they weren't in any difficulty. But, um, yeah, it was quite a sight to see them. Um, it was late season, and there were green patches showing through, so it might have been they came up to get some, you know, what they thought might be green pick from the, the areas that were just coming out from under the snowpack. Wow, that's really remarkable, that high up. That's um, amazing. So there you go, any international folks listening. It is possible to ski with some of the iconic wildlife, including a platypus, which sounds pretty funny, <laughs> I think. <Yeah. laughs> but um, Cam, thanks so much from, for coming back onto the show and giving us an update there. Hopefully, fingers crossed, everything goes ahead for September. Indeed, yeah, fingers crossed. And um, if not, there's next year and the Backcountry Festival will be on and, you know, bigger and better and all that sort of thing. So keep an eye on the website if you're interested and then uh, there'll be a point where we put a call out for people to offer tours and workshops and all the rest of it. Yeah, and if there's anything we can do, I know we said this previously, um, we're more than happy to help if it's, um, of course. Yes, that would be great. The more the merrier. It is a community event. And it happens because, you know, people just basically come on board and kick in their ideas. So, you know, your program has been really great. The podcasts have been really fantastic. It, it seems like they've been really well received. So, you know, if you wanted to come up and uh, yarn with people or, you know, produce a show on, on the festival or do something like that, there'll be lots of interesting people on the hill. So could be good fun, I reckon. Yeah, absolutely. We'd love yeah. to produce yeah, a show yeah. on the hill. Yeah, um, well, uh, thanks for taking the time out of your day. Sam and coming to speak with us. It's uh, been a pleasure to have you on the show again. Thanks, yeah, good to be back and I've been enjoying all the shows. So, you know, fantastic contribution, I reckon. So good on you for doing it. Oh, no Thanks, worries. Sam. No worries, Cam. And we look forward to seeing you again. And um, just before you go, is, uh, do you play any instruments at all? No, I don't. Oh, damn, I thought we might be able to get a song out of you. <laughs> <laughs> It was too scary, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Cam, thanks a lot. Cheers, okay, thanks. Mate. Nice to have a chat. Wow, that was really nice catching up with Cam again. And I say really nice Absolutely. just to talk to him. Obviously, not great news about the festival, but hopefully we can uh, get out and have a big fire somewhere and wear our face masks and chat about skiing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it's good to hear that he's planning for next year's festival anyway so um <laughs> i mean yeah yeah uh, I, I i mean you you can't you can't even say i'm sure things will be fine uh, fine again by this time next year but <laughs> let's just hope that they are yeah absolutely and he did mention having a bit of an online presence for this year doing some stuff on zoom which is which is really cool and you know, we're all sitting at home anyway, so might as well jump onto that and learn something from someone else. Yeah, I mean, it's the new new thing, isn't it? It's just Zoom or, you know, some sort of FaceTime meetings with other people, catching up for drinks over, you know, webcam. Yes. It's, it's just uh, 2020 in a nutshell, really. Yeah. Yeah, good time to have shares in Zoom. Yeah, well, um, I don't know if you noticed here, Morgs, but I've just got my little guitar. Oh. Yeah. I've, um, That's good. Got a, got a little uh, little song. Yeah, I put some pen to paper and just got my feelings out there about the season being taken away from me by COVID, and this is it. Where are 
out away from me I'm stuck in lockdown so I've got to be good so I can harvest corn and spring without restrictions in the northeast of Vic but our premier he had to think quick he said no more skin none at all as of Thursday you'll be staying at home I went up just for one last ski I won't forget the sound that day the screaming skis on boilerplate ice but I'm happy that I freed my heels and said goodbye where, where can my season be COVID took it away stuck in lockdown so I've got to be good so I can have a scorn without restrictions Bravo. It's been a while, Morgs. It's been a while. It's good to get another absolute belter of a tune. Yes, very good. We're going to run out of um, parody ideas soon, I think, Rich. Oh, no, 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 not at all. <laughs> There's so many songs out there. Yeah. That's true. Uh, well, it's been another great episode. Yeah, good. Thanks, uh, thanks, Rich. Yeah. And, um, yeah, we'll uh, talk to you again next week, as always, as, as we always do. Yes, and just to conclude, you know, sad times, but the important thing is to keep everybody healthy. So stay home, people, so we can have some sort of spring skiing, a corn harvest. The corn harvest. Children of the corn, telly, telly skiers of the corn. I'll be heading straight up there on the 13th of September, if we're allowed to, up on to the Holy Grail onto Mount Bogong and playing around. And I hope you're there too, Morgs. Good on you, Rich. Talk to you next week. Yes, thrill it up, Morgs. Thrill it up. Yeah, thrill it up. Those telly guys hope you have enjoyed this program. We'd love to hear from you. Please get in touch at thosetellyguys at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this show, please subscribe for more fun episodes. Otherwise, you can find us on Instagram. Thank you. (laughs) 